Welcome to Get With IT, a podcast by IT Ops Times. The host today is Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of IT Ops Times. Yes, hello everyone. This is, in fact, the latest episode of the Get With IT podcast from IT Ops Times. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the um, phenomenon of cloud repatriation, where companies seem to be uh, taking things out of the cloud and moving them back into their um, local uh, infrastructures. Joining me today is Dave Link. He's CEO and co-founder of a company called Science Logic, one of the leading AI ops uh, providers uh, in the industry. Welcome, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great, David. How are you today? Can't complain. Can't complain. It's a beautiful, hot, sticky summer day here on Long Island, so uh, it's nice to be indoors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. at least you're not dealing with the smoke that we've recently True. been battling against. So this week, I'm in the Washington, Mid-Atlantic area, Washington, D.C. area, and uh, it's clear skies today. So that's a nice change. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. So on to the topic of cloud repa- uh, repatriation. Uh, so tell me how you guys have come to um, determine that folks are, in fact, making this reverse move when we're hearing all this hype about people wanting to move to the cloud. Uh, you know, wh- where are you seeing um, the opposite of that happening? Well, I think that the large thematic of applications and workloads moving to the cloud has been a transformation of the last decade that has been uh, incredibly meaningful and and productive for IT. Uh, there are many benefits that the cloud has offered from a scale perspective, from a globalization of infrastructure perspective. It's given us capabilities that we could have only ever dreamed of uh, 15, 20 years ago. But I think as we're maturing through this next phase, and specifically given the headwinds of the global economic upheaval over the last 18 months with rising interest rates, rising costs, rising energy costs, inflation that has really caught everybody in in a bind. And companies are looking at their budgets and they have to get cost out. Mm-hmm. And when you have to get cost out, every single piece of spend gets put under the microscope. Right. And a lot of applications were quickly moved to the cloud without refactoring. There are a number of reasons that we're seeing applications move from the cloud to on-prem, and I can give you some stories there, but we have an interesting and unique bird's eye view in that our product and platform manages infrastructure for large global estates of companies, service providers, governments, enterprises around the globe. And we understand typically um, the instances they have running on the, the global hyperscalers, uh, hyper-converged compute systems that are on-prem and traditional data centers, and uh, to some degree, SaaS deployments. I would say that because we can manage proactively and, and understand how these workloads are moving around, uh, and we know the device counts related to what devices are sitting where, we we have started to see some applications move back to hyper-converged over the last 18 months on-prem. Um, and and when I've dug into the details, David, it looks like we're really in a cost savings moment, especially where there are unique storage requirements to bring data out of mm-hmm. the hyperscalers, which is very expensive to do. Easier and cost effective to put data in. 
uh, less cost effective to bring data out. And as data starts getting exchanged more with uh, applications that connect to other back office systems, that is one of the considerations. And another one has been applications that were just quickly ported to the cloud, but never refactored to leverage cloud services that make them run more cost effectively in the cloud. Those have been targeted if they don't want to spend the money or the time, nor does it make sense strategically to refactor the application. Uh, there's, I think, a, the, the scrutiny that I've talked about, truly getting costs out, have, has weighed that uh, is, is the, the cloud cost versus on-prem, the spend worth the, some of the benefits that cloud provides when you have infrastructure that you're managing on-prem. We've also seen some policies, internal policies globally uh, in different countries where they really wanted to geofence certain data sets and not put them on hyperscalers uh, from a, a government regulations perspective and or certain industries aren't wanting that data to be, uh, they want it on-prem. They want it controlled and whether it's storage need, better control or, or different internal policies. So a number of reasons I think are conspiring together right now to have people look at literally every single line item of many of their vendors' bills and figure out how to optimize their spend. Yeah. Do you think a lot of this uh, was brought about by um, COVID and the rush of people who had to now deal with remote workers and uh, moving things to the cloud so everybody can have access uh, and, uh, you know, perhaps bought more than they needed or, you know, didn't have good, uh, you know, policies in place to, you know, if you load up uh, an instance, take it down when you're done kind of thing. Uh, what, what was driving that? Uh, that escalation of cost. You're articulating a really interesting time we all lived through. And I think IT did an amazing job sustaining the globe in a run-operate that didn't have too many breakdowns as everybody migrated from in-office work to at-home work. Uh, amazing. It's kind of an amazing point in time. I started my career in the telecommunications industry when we were in a world where it was dial-up communications. And I think about today, you know, 35 years later, and it's just amazing what the world was able to do. I, I think 35 years ago, the world couldn't have made the pivot the way we did over the last three years. But yes, IT did whatever it had to, to maintain continuity of operation. And so the cloud was incredibly beneficial to spin up real-time, immediate resource allocation because the demand profile shifted. The, the profile shifted of when concurrent users came into apps, when apps were used because they, they were working from home, so the hours shifted a little bit versus the typical, I'm in at, in at nine, out at 5.30, 6, 7. Um, the workday changed, the hours changed, and some of the profiles of um, infrastructure you needed to support a very different mode of operation changed dramatically. So IT did everything that it had to to make sure that continuity of operations was unbroken. And we didn't see a monstrous drop in productivity through that all, which is a stunning accomplishment and success of this transformation. But a lot of that was done, to your point, in almost no holes barred. 
because we can't have businesses fail or stop or cease to operate in a normal way because the mode of of uh, and location of workers changed. So you may have characterized it perfectly that a lot of money was spent on the hyperscalers just mm-hmm. to, to get everything in place. And as we're now reinspecting those bills, we did it ourselves here at our company. Um, we're spending eight figures plus a year on cloud costs here. And we really inspected every line item. Just I'm just giving you my personal example mm-hmm. of our company. And how do we optimize turning systems on and off when they're not in use? We'd already done some of that, but we didn't do it for every application because we wanted to just make sure everybody would never not have access to the applications they needed to run the business. So now that we're inspecting it, we're, we're really changing a lot and rethinking where systems should sit and what the cost model should look like and what are the elements of cost in the cloud that we think might continue to have downward pressure or might actually have upward pressure that we want to be ready for. Right. So all of this is probably uh, also what is driving the uh, FinOps movement that we're hearing so much about these days, where people are looking uh, at their cloud spends and trying to figure out how to get a handle on them, licensing and and other issues uh, like that. Is that uh, proving successful for organizations or, you know, how, why are organizations, well, I think you might have mentioned that earlier, why they're bringing uh, things back on prem, and I'm sure it's. Is it more than just cost, or is it simply cost? Is the reason for them uh, repatriating? Right now, cost is a very significant driver. Um, we have seen other considerations on where where you look at the application profile, David, and. There are certain application profiles that actually lend themselves to being better suited at the edge of the network and in an on-prem traditional data center rather than mm-hmm. all the traffic going up to the cloud and then coming back down to uh, a particular location. So I think there's just much more detailed bottoms-up analysis per application than perhaps was done in, in shifting them to the cloud in the first place. So as, as people look at the security analytics, the storage analytics, the cost analytics, and then the infrastructure and expertise of do you have the right expertise to run it on-prem versus the cloud, um, those attributes are being analyzed at a, at a level of detail. And this happens when we have these moments of opaque demand and future um, economic uncertainty. Everybody does a bottoms-up cost analysis, and everything gets reinspected. Mm-hmm. So when everything's up to the right and it, everything's going well, you don't have to do that. When you have to inspect, that then puts, I think, a different lens on: Did we make the right decision with where we put this app? Mm-hmm. So I do believe it's very application-centric. Those apps that have um, a business-to-consumer lens, they're going to be best suited in the cloud. If it's a business-to-business app, an internal app with uh, data sets that are considered proprietary, with data sets that might have some security boundaries, with data sets that um, that have uh, um, personal information that you need to be caring for in a very particular way, uh, we're seeing those applications be reinspected 
and evaluated if they don't need a, a large hyperscaler scale out uh, hundreds or thousands or or hundreds of thousands of concurrent users, you're you're starting to see. I mean, even Dell has some pretty bullish statements with their VX Rail hyperconverged product, where um, where they're convincing some of our customers they can save forty to sixty percent of their cloud costs by bringing it on prem, and they have really good case studies to prove that out. So, because we monitor infrastructure all over, we are starting to see a shift. Um, Cloud is still growing, but on-prem is growing faster than we would have expected right now. Yeah, it it seems it's uh, you know we see this a lot in tech where uh, you know some some new way of doing things comes out. People hear the benefits, they're all in, they jump in, the first movers. This is great, and then of course they find that the devil is in the details of uh, making it work, paying for it, all those other kinds of things. It seems like uh, cloud was also one of those kinds of things uh, that people were like, oh, we can get all this infinite scale at a very lower cost, and this is great, and and let's do it. And then once they get in, they see maybe it uh, you know, didn't actually serve their needs to the best uh, that they thought it would. Well said. You know, I, I, would, I would echo one other statement, and where I think we will continue to see cloud growth is in the as-a-service application space is still very strong. Mm-hmm. So as companies look at the applications that they're running, is there an equivalent SaaS-based offering that provides the right security, the right internal policy control, the right um IP protection of confidential information and geofencing for international considerations. We, I think that will still be maybe have an outsized growth opportunity at the application level using the Avis as a service model. And you know, as an example, Science Logic itself has seen trailing 12 months. Uh, we deliver our product either delivered in an on-prem solution that people would deploy our product within their data centers or in the cloud as a service or as a service offering for this, uh, the application that we provide and sell has grown trailing 12 months, 157% year over year. So I think that part of the market is still going to be quite robust because it's just more convenient for enterprises and governments and, and uh, users to take a, a solution as a service rather than run it and operate it themselves. But the custom applications that are built for particular use cases in companies back office, that were starting, that was always hard to move, but that is continuing to grow and an on-prem presence. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Certainly uh, worth noting and keeping an eye on this uh, a move to uh, repatriation to bring uh, certain applications and certain parts of uh, of their uh, systems back on-prem. Uh, Dave Link, CEO and co-founder of ScienceLogic, thanks so much for being with us here today. Appreciate the, appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Great to be with you today. And your um, best to you and, and all of your viewers out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, folks, uh, until next time, uh, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of IT Ops Times. Thanks for joining us. Take care.